Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bible to the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. This is our third week in the series we're doing on Wednesday nights, our Bible study called The Laws of the Kingdom. So I'm going to do a little bit of review until we get into tonight's material. Psalm 103, verse 19. It says, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Say, the kingdom of God rules over all. We know in Matthew 4, 17, it says, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. In the past few weeks, we said, what is the kingdom of God? We said the word kingdom means royalty, rule, reign, realm. And the first week we saw in Daniel 2 and verse 28 and the rest of that chapter that God's kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break every other system and cause them to pass away like dust in the wind. We saw in the gospels that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms. We learned that the kingdom of God is the power of God. And the kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. We also saw that the kingdom of God is how God operates. It's how he does what he does by his power. We saw that his power and his ways are far above every system. And if you operate by the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system in this world. Last week, we looked at Luke 16 and the parable Jesus told there. And he said that the children of the world in that that generation are wiser than the children of light because they knew how to work their system. The children of the world would do what they knew to do so that they could get ahead. It may have been wicked, but they believed in their system and they would work their system. And the reason Jesus said they are wiser than the children of light is because the children of darkness believed in their system. And we looked at last week how we need to believe in the system and the laws God has given us and work that system, work those laws to see the result of the power of God in our lives. We said laws for the sake of the series that is defined, a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific, scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. It's a principle based on the predictable consequences of an act condition, etc., fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. So we said in the words, some laws are outright called the law of this or that. Other laws and principles can be observed and deduced. Last week, we looked at the law of faith from Romans 3, 27. And we said the law of faith or its principle is summed up if you believe. We said the law of faith is believing in what God has already done. You came into the kingdom of God by the law of faith. You believe what God had said and had done concerning salvation, and you receive salvation, forgiveness of sin, cleansing, and eternal life. We said the law of faith is the way of faith. So let's pick up where we left off in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Looking at verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. We saw last week that the word availeth means to give you the advantage or to prevail. So in the kingdom of God, in this life, faith that works by love gives you the advantage. Faith that works by love causes you to prevail. In other words, love fuels faith. Faith works by love, car works by gas. If you don't have any gas in your car, you're not getting that far. There could be a reason why your faith is not working. There may be no love in the tank. Love fuels faith. Love energizes faith. So if you want to look at it another way, whatever electronic device you want to use, unless it's connected to the power source or there's power in that battery, it will not work. You know, I have an iPad up here, and it's great. It has all my notes. I can do a lot of things with it. But if it had no power, I'd just be staring at a blank screen. It needed to be charged before I can use it, just like your faith. Love fuels faith. Love energizes faith. Love makes your faith active. Love also makes your faith efficient. You know, we talk about different cars that are more efficient, that they can use less gas to go farther. Your love makes your faith efficient. So let's look at what James called the royal law. Let's look at what is the law of love. Because if we want the law of faith to work to its highest degree, we must work the law of love to its highest degree. So go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Start with verse 35. Matthew 22, verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master or teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So how many of us can see the law of love, those two laws, everything that's in the law and the prophets hangs on the law of love? How many of us can agree with that? Now, a lot of times when we hear the word law and prophets, we think of all the rules and all the commandments in the Old Testament. And we know it's true that if you fulfill the law of love, you fulfill every command in the law and the prophets. But also in the law and the prophets are the blessings and the promises of God. How many of Deuteronomy 28 is in the law? A lot of the problems where we're concerned concerning healing is in the book of Isaiah, and that's a prophet. So a lot of the blessings and the promises of God are in the laws, the law and the prophets, and it hangs on the law of love. Now I got right here this shower curtain we picked up from somewhere or other. Now, in order to hang this thing up, you need some type of curtain rod, and something to attach it to. But a lot of times in our Christian life, we're just trying to throw it up there hoping it sticks. 
This is the promises of God. These are the blessings of God. But since there's no love to hang it on, we've been trying to stand, believing God will do something, trying to manifest in our life, throwing it up in the air, going, why don't I see this promise in my life? Why don't I see this blessing in my life? It's because you haven't put the love of God up there and you have nothing to stand on. Your faith is not effective. Your faith is not active. Your faith is not fueled. Your faith is not energized because there's no love. You might want to... Look at your life. Is the law of love, the curtain rod of love, hanging in my life, or is it down the street somewhere? The royal law of love. Go to John chapter 13. To love the Lord your God with all that you are, all that you have, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you love one to another. So looking at Matthew 22, we think we know what it means to love God. But then it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now the thing is, a lot of people do love their neighbor as they love themselves because they don't love themselves. So if you have to fulfill the command of love, you got to love God, you have to love your neighbor, and you have to love yourself. Now Jesus adds to love your neighbor as he loves them or as he loves you. So that means you need to love your neighbor as Jesus loves them. That also means you need to love yourself like Jesus loves you. You need to see yourself through the eyes of God. See yourself through the eyes of love. See yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you are. Stop seeing yourself as a mistake or as a problem. I'm got a problem going somewhere to happen. No, no, no. See yourself like God sees you. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't love others right. Go to John 15. a page or two over, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Now, notice something Jesus explains here. A lot of people say, I love God. They can sing the songs. They can be emotional about the songs. 
But loving God is not being able to say, oh, God, I love you. It's not singing the song. Jesus says, if you love me, you do what I say. One of the ways you show your love to God is by doing what he says. And the main commandment God has given us is loving each other. All throughout Paul's writings, James' writings, through John's writings, you see love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love them like Jesus loves you. You see it again and again and again. John goes so far to say, you know, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you a liar. One of the ways you love God is by loving your fellow believer. The love of God needs to flow through us. Love God. Love your neighbor as Jesus loves you, and love yourself as Jesus loves you. The love of God is poured out into our hearts. Let's look at that a little bit more. Let's go to Let's go to Romans 5:5. 5, 5. Romans 5, 5. So before I read, let's define the law of love a little bit more. The law of love is loving God with all that you are and all that you have. So that's your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your entire being and your possessions. And loving your neighbor as Jesus loves them. And loving yourself as Jesus loves you. And you might ask, like they did in Jesus' time, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. The person who is your neighbor is the person you encounter. So it's not just the person who physically lives next to you or sits next to you at church or your coworker. They're all included. Your neighbor is whoever you encounter, even your enemies. Your haters. The people, Jesus, who despitefully use you he says, love them, pray for them, and bless them. Amen. You know, if your flesh is ever having trouble walking in love with somebody, especially at your job or someone you see on a day-to-day basis, buy them lunch. Your flesh will get in line. Because your flesh doesn't spend no more money on them. They will stop hating them because it's like, hey, don't spend no more money. Go to Romans 5.5, 5, and look what it says. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. So the love of God is poured out into our heart. It's the love that flows from the Father into Jesus, into us. There is a flow of love from the Spirit, but you must do something with that love. It's difficult to love one another if we don't fully believe the way God loves us. If we always think God is just waiting to zap us, God is just waiting to judge us, God is just waiting to condemn us, God is just ready to throw us in hell, if that's how we see God, we won't love each other right. We'll try to love each other the way that we've seen. But Paul prayed in Ephesians 3.19 that the church of Ephesus will come to intimately know the extravagant love of Christ which passes knowledge and that they would practically experience it in their lives. 
Because if you're walking and receiving and knowing this love from God, it's going to motivate you to let that love flow to others. You can't let that love just well up and dam up in your heart. You must let it flow to others. We've been celebrating this month love one, but not just love won the victory for us, but we must let that love flow through us so that it can get the victory for others. One of the things I was noticing as I was going through studying yesterday that you see more references in the New Testament about loving your neighbor or about loving one another, loving the brethren, than you see command to love God. You see it all throughout. They say, love each other, love each other, love each other. And so I started looking at the different churches who received that command, and I found something interesting. Go to Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Because a lot of times when people think of the early church, they think, oh, they were perfect because they were the early church. They agreed on everything because they're early church. No, read the book of Acts and read all the letters. They were just a hot mess, just like Christians today. You read some of Paul's letters, like, man, they really did that? Yes, they did. So don't think just because they're in the Bible, they were perfect. No, there are people just like you. There's only one perfect one, and his name is Jesus. Everybody else got issues. And what they kept telling is, although you got issues, walk in love with one another anyways. So Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Epiphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. So Paul goes into Thessalonica, he goes to the synagogue, and he begins to preach at least three Sabbath days in a row. He is preaching and he is teaching. He stays there a little bit longer than that, but the result was there were some Jews who believed, but there was a great multitude of Gentiles who believed. There was a great multitude of people in political power who believed. Why? That's who Paul was called to preach to. One of the things you realize is God has anointed people to do different things. The reason Paul would go, always go to the synagogue is because that was his custom. That's what he wanted to do. His heart was for the Jews. That's what you see when you read his letters. But that's not who God called him to go to first. He said, you're called to the Gentiles, then to kings, and then to the children of Israel. But it took Paul a while, just like it takes us a while, to sometimes get it right. So when we read the book of Acts, some problems Paul ran into wasn't because Satan caused it. It's because Paul put some things out of order. You could be doing the right things in your life, but getting them out of order, and that's why you have drama. You need to make sure you're doing what God told you to do in the order he told you to do it. Because everybody has a main call, but there are times God will give you a special assignment. Don't make that special assignment take out your call. Make sure you keep it in order. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. So let's look at this church in Thessalonica. So go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So we see how it started. Then the unbelieving Jews were jealous at how many Gentiles came to know the Lord. And they started a riot. Paul left the city because the church didn't want him to get hurt. 
But the church continues as Paul goes and preaches in other cities. And so 1 Thessalonians, most scholars believe, is the first letter Paul ever wrote. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patient of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he says, I wasn't just preaching to you in those three days in the Sabbath or when I stayed with you after that. I was preaching and the Holy Ghost was moving. The power was working. People were being healed, delivered, and set free. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction or pressure or trouble. That's the riots that came. When they tried to go find Paul, they couldn't find him. They grabbed Jason, who was a believer, and some people were in his house and tried to cause them to have issues. With joy of the Holy Ghost. So he said, even though there was pressure, we all still laughed about it. You still have the joy of the Holy Ghost. That means the joy of the Holy Ghost is not dependent on your circumstance or your situation. We're going to look at this one of these Wednesdays about the law of joy. You can stir up joy no matter what you're going through. You can laugh at the devil no matter what he's doing. Because laughter will be an expression of your faith. You can laugh when you feel like crying and then watch the manifestation of God's power come in. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God where it's spread abroad, spread abroad, so we need not to speak anything. This church became the example church. Macedonia and Achaia, that means they're an example to Philippi. They're an example to Corinth. They're an example to Berea and all these other places in the air. They were an example. So Paul says, when I go places, I don't tell details about you. I can just say the church in Thessalonica, and they go, oh, yes, 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 we've heard about them. Well, what were they an example in? Remember where I said their work, their labor of love, their work of faith, and their patience of hope? We go to chapter 3, verse 6. So after Paul left there, he sent Timothy to see how, to check on them, see how they're doing, to preach unto them. So Timothy comes back and brings a report. He says, but now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity or your love, that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to you. So notice he said that y'all came back and we heard all these great reports of your faith and of your love. But look at verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. If you don't look at the previous verses and what we're about to look at next, you might think, well, this church in Thessalonica had a love walk problem. If Paul is praying that they increase in love, they must not have been nice people. They must have had a walking in love issue. But look at chapter 4, verse 9. But as touching Brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. 
For ye yourselves are tired of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Now, you look at other letters, Paul has to tell people, walk in love. Sometimes he goes and has a whole chapter on what it means to walk in love. But he says, to them by the Holy Ghost, he says, I don't even need to write to you about loving each other. You're already doing it so well. Now, that's a testimony. That God says, I'm sending Paul to talk to you about things, but when it comes to walking in love, the greatest commandment, what I keep telling every other church in the world to do, I don't even have to talk to you all about it. You're already doing it. You've been taught by God on how to love each other. But notice what Paul does because they're an example to all the region because of their love walk. They are known for walking in love towards one another and to all the other churches in the region. They're known for being love people. I want us to be known for being love people. That we're an example to all the other churches. Up, If you want to know how to walk in love, go to Faith Christian Center. And so notice what Paul did, even though they had this love walk down path, he prayed that they would increase. You can always increase your love walk. He prayed again and again that you would increase and that you would abound. So just because you don't cuss people out anymore doesn't mean you've gotten to the farthest part you can go on your love walk. Just because you don't tell people on 285 they're number one doesn't mean you've reached or arrived yet. There's more steps in the love walk for you to get to. Just because you don't always bring up what happened five, ten years ago with your spouse, you can walk and love more. So go to 1 Corinthians 13. No matter how good you are or you think you are at walking in love, there's room to increase. And if you really want to know how good you are at it, don't ask the people at church, ask your spouse or ask your kids. They tell you the truth. First, First Corinthians 13. Let's look at four through eight. We'll look at it through the Amplified. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. We're going to define what it means to walk in love. Love is patient with people. It puts up with people. Because you know, at some point in your life, or even right now, somebody put up with you. So you have to put up with others. Because you know, we've all had different episodes of being super spiritual. Why are y'all getting quiet? And you know, when he first got saved, he had a lot of zeal, but you had no knowledge. And someone who was more mature in the gospel had to say, it's okay, baby, sit down for a second. Let me tell you some more things. They were putting up with you. They were bearing with you because you had to grow. Love is patient. It's kind and endures long. That's why it's called long-suffering. Long-suffering. When we look at that word in the Greek, it paints the picture of a candle with a long wick that it takes a long time for the wax to burn all the way away. So how patient are you? How much do you walk in long suffering? It says love is kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself 
haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude. You're going to stop right there. Someone's like, we can go home now, pastor. We've stepped on enough toes. Love is not rude. How rude? You know, there have been some, there's some people who say, well, because I'm this gifting, this is just how I talk. Mm-mm. It's like, I'm a prophet, so I talk like this. No, you don't. Jesus was a prophet, and he talked like that. So where'd you get that from? It's not rude. Unmannerly. Does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. That takes out 99% of most churches. Touchy. Come on, we as Christians can be touchy. They parked in my parking spot. Touchy. Sat in my seat. Touchy. They didn't sing my song. Touchy. I didn't get to lead the song. Touchy. They don't have a place of prominence for me. Touchy. Touchy. And what do they do? They stop going to church because they're touchy. They get offended because they're touchy. So touchy, they stay at home. I can watch online. Just me and Jesus, no. Jesus told you to go to church. You and your touchy self needs to get your touchy self in church so you ain't touchy no more. For all those who listened to the CD who didn't come into the house of God. We can't be touchy. We got to grow up. Or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So it doesn't keep lists. You did this, all right. Oh, your day is coming. Uh-huh. You better be glad I'm saved because I would have got you already, but your day is coming. Does not keep lists. It's like Peter asked Jesus, says, if I forgive my brother seven times. Now, you have to remember, Peter's brother was a disciple. He was probably standing right there, probably grabbing. Hey, look, Jesus, if I forgive him seven times, haven't I done something? He probably just did something eight times. like, I'm about to knock him out, Jesus. And Jesus said, seven times 70. Peter, for 90. Ooh, Andrew, you better be glad Jesus is right here. But he's not telling you to count up to 490 and if they hit 491, because he's talking about in one day. Even though the trifling, they hit 491 in one day, he's not saying you can go ahead and get them with permission from Jesus if they hit 491. No, it means completion times completion. It means eternity. You forgive them always. You don't keep a list of all your suffer wrongs. That doesn't mean you have to hang out with them every day. You know, set yourself up for success. You know you're not there in your love walk. Don't try yourself that way. <laughs> there may be some family members you only talk to on the phone for a short amount of time. 
You may not stay in the city that we live in Thanksgiving. Oh, good to see you. Got to go home. I got church to go. So yeah, blame it on Jesus. I got to go to church. But you forgive. Why? Because your heavenly father has forgiven you. And anything we can be offended with is small compared to how our sin offended God. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person, everybody. It believes the best of everybody, 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 no matter who it is. It's ready to believe the best. That the next time you see them, it's in your mind, now they did this last time, so I'm getting ready to knock them out. Nope, God could have worked on them, they could have changed. Someone's like, ooh, I gotta grow, Jesus, I gotta grow. We all gotta grow. Thank God he's not done with us yet. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Go to Jude. That's walking in love. And we all have some level of love walk right now, but as we just read, we can increase in it. Walking, all that is, is a series of steps. So that means we have to keep walking, keep taking steps in love. Look at Jude 18, coming down the home stretch. Jude 18. Notice what Jude, the brother of Jesus, said. How that they, well, back to verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual having not the spirit. So how many know we, know we live in the last days? When Jesus' ministry began, the last days began. But we are those who live at the end of the last days called the end times. So Jude is saying, you know what the apostles said about living in the last days, how there will be people who will do these things because they don't have the Spirit. He says they live this way because they don't have the Holy Ghost. But you, beloved, you have the Holy Ghost. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, what is he saying? Another translation says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Spending time praying in the Holy Ghost will help you keep yourself in the love of God. Will help you walk in love more, especially if you have a problem cussing people out. Because you can't go from tongues and cuss somebody out. It's going to be hard, really hard to go from tongues and form those other words. Amen. Spend time praying in the Spirit while He is the Spirit of love. The love of God is poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost. 
So you keep praying in the Holy Ghost, you will stir up the love of God. Go to Philippians chapter 1. The law of love. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 9. This is what Paul is praying for the church at Philippi. This was a city in Macedonia. He said, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The Amplified Classic Edition says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development and knowledge and all keen insight. That your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. The message version says it this way. So this is my prayer. That your love will flourish and that you not only love much but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life. Circumspect and exemplary a life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all. Getting everyone involved in the glory and the praise of God. The Amplified Version says, In this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in real knowledge, and in practical insight. Another translation of praise that your love will overflow more and more. Paul was praying that they increase their love The thing is, to walk that way, you have to have a revelation of how much God loves you. John 17, 23, Jesus said that God loves you as much as he loves him. A lot of us believe that God loves Jesus. And we might even get to the point where we believe God loves us. But to say God loves you as much as he loves Jesus blows most religious people's minds. So you can't say that. That's blasphemy. No, it's not his Bible. You have to realize how much God loves you. Because as you do, that love will flow into you and flow out of you. Remember, your faith is fueled by love. So the fuller development of your love, the greater manifestation of your faith. Because it's not just loving others. It's believing God loves you. Because if you believe God loves you, You believe he'll do what he said he'll do in his word. It's not hard to trust him if you know he loves you. It's easier for you to receive from him. Not that you're scared of him because you made a mistake. It says we can boldly go to the throne of grace for mercy and help in our time of need. Why? He loves us. The blood has made a way. The blood has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus are standing. doesn't matter how big you blow it, you can boldly go into the throne of God because you belong there. It's just like if you were a child of the president. How many of you think that Sasha and Malia tiptoe into the over office when they want to talk, talk to their dad? Tiptoe around the executive branch. Tiptoe around the executive mansion. Mm-mm. They belong there. Why? Of who their daddy is. You belong at the throne of God because of who your daddy is. So it doesn't matter what you've done. You can boldly go into him and ask for forgiveness. 
you can boldly go into him and ask for what you will as long as your will is according to the word of God. Why? He loves you. And when you believe that, to a fuller extent, your faith won't have trouble working. Because you let that love flow into you, and then you love others the same way. And the love of God will direct what you ask for. Because the thing is, if you're walking in love, you're not going to ask for the wrong thing. If you're walking in love, you're not going to pray, just kill him, Jesus, kill him. Strike him dead. I'm tired of dealing with him, Jesus. That's how God's going to lead you to pray. The love of God will direct even your request. Because the thing is, people think, well, that means I can't ask for anything for myself. That's not Bible. God says he gives you all things for you to enjoy, to enjoy richly. So he didn't give you things to meet your need. He gave you things to enjoy. Why? He loves you. He's your father. He's a good, good father. And just like if you have children, you don't want to put them in rags and say, well, I'm going to keep them in rags. It's going to keep them humble. Oh, I'm going to make them sick to teach them something. No, we will lock you up. Why do we think God would do the same thing? Don't we think his standards of being a heavenly father is far greater than our standards of being a parent? He loves us. We have to believe in that love and trust in that love when we ask of him for anything. And when we ask, we believe, we receive it, we have it when we pray. Not when it shows up, we take it when we pray. It may manifest another day, but we have it, we take it when we pray. Another way to say we believe it, we receive it. Receive it means I take it. I have it now. It's mine. Why? Because you trust in the one who you asked. So you believe in his love, and then you can love others with his love. So six steps I want you to remember. What you need to do every day. Meditate or think again and again on how much God loves you. You need to take some time every day and think about how much God loves you. Especially if you are afraid of anything and fear is trying to get a hold of you. You just take some time and you begin to think. And then you get to number two, you begin to say how much God loves you. Number two is you need to say every day, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You need to say that throughout the day. Why? Until you believe it. Until fear doesn't have a hold. When you believe that, you start saying stuff like, well, I'm God's favorite child. Now, God loves us all equally, but those who actually believe he loves them are actually more bold in their confession of faith. It changes how they view the world. If they believe that God loves them as much as he loves Jesus, that his favor is shown towards them, they're not as concerned about every situation. Because you can even look at it in the eyes of the love of God. Well, if I die, I go to heaven. That's your worst case scenario, believer. You go to heaven early. That's your worst case scenario. So Jesus took away the sting of death. So if you were to die early, you wouldn't feel it. That's your worst case scenario. But how about the better case scenario? You get everything you ask for. Because you're walking by faith and you're walking in love. You believe that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. So say that throughout the day. 
So number one, meditate and think again and again on how much God loves you. Number two, say throughout the day, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Number three, make a quality decision every day when you wake up to walk in love no matter what. Make a quality decision every day when you wake up to walk in love no matter what. Make that decision, then back it up throughout the day. Number four, acknowledge the love of God in you. I mean, look at in the future what it says in Philippians 1, 6, that all the promises of God are made effectual by your acknowledgement of it. You need to acknowledge that God's love is in you. Why? We looked at the verse earlier. The love of God is shed abroad or poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So you need to acknowledge the love of God's on the inside of me. You start saying the love commandment. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I love my neighbor as I love myself because it pleases my Father. I choose to love my neighbor as Jesus loves me. The love of God is poured out on my heart by the Holy Ghost, the spirit of love who was given unto me. And that love saturates every cell of my being so that people sense the love of God just by being in my presence. You start acknowledging and talking about the love of God. Number five, be quick to repent when you violate the law of love. Be quick to repent. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. Father, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. That's not walking love. Forgive me and help me to do better next time. And number six, forgive everyone of everything. Forgive everyone of everything. Love doesn't hold grudges. So don't bring up the past. Don't be the accuser of the brother. That job's already taken by Satan. Do not enter his employment. Because if you're always accusing believers, who are you working for? You know, you see stuff people post, post on social media. I'm like, do you have nothing better with, to do with your life than post crazy stuff against believers? And it's not always unbelievers. It's religious believers. And next time you think about accusing somebody of something, think about who you're working for. Said, so is this going to help somebody walk in love? Or is this going to distract somebody from the kingdom of God? And then you also remember what the Lord said, who are you to judge another man's servant? So there's a lot of times the best thing for us to do is to keep our mouth shut. And when it comes to social media, delete. Don't even post. You emotional about something, just leave your phone, leave your computer away. Everybody doesn't have to know your opinion on something. I like something my brother said recently, my young brother, he said, opinions are like butts. You need to sit on it. <laughs> Not every opinion needs to be expressed. Not every opinion needs to be said, especially if it's going to violate the law of love. Choose to walk in love no matter what. So he said, number one, meditate, think again and again on how much God loves you. Two, say throughout the day, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Number three, make a quality decision every day when you wake up to walk in love no matter what. Number four, acknowledge the love of God in you. Number five, be quick to repent when you violate the law of love. Number six, forgive everyone of everything. That's how you can make the law of love active in your life. So that the law of faith works in your life. So that the kingdom of God, the power of God, works every day of your life. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but a daily application of the power of God. Amen? Well, stand to your feet.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him for his word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's given for our instruction, our correction, our reproof, our exhortation, our development. We thank you for loving us. Oh, we're so grateful. We thank you. Hallelujah. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.